Welcome to the Millennial Falcon, a pop culture podcast by three geeky millennials. I'm Willoughby Dobbs, a filmmaker in the D.C. area, and with me are my two co-hosts. I'm Hai Chen Bui, a writer for Slash Film and a pop culture journalist in D.C. And I am Anya Crittenton, a writer at Gay Star News. Alright, so it's the end of the month, and that means it's our first millennial movie review for 2018. And we sort of teased this last week, but the movie we will be reviewing today is the best movie of the year already. No other competition. And that would be Paddington 2. Shake, 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 Sonora. Shake your body line. Shake, 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 Sonora. Shake it all the time. Work, 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 Sonora. Work your body line. The sequel to the first Paddington movie, which came out in 2014, and Paddington is a popular children's character uh, based out of Britain, you know, similar to kind of our, like, Clifford the Big Red Dog or... Stuart Little. Sure. No, it's it's an apt comparison. Or or Winnie the Pooh. I was talking more about classic, like, more classic beloved characters than, like, plot comparisons. No, I'm just talking about Stuart Little as a beloved character. Kind of. But... Would we call him beloved? <laughs> yeah, those movies were great. The books were great. All right. I, I think more universally beloved, like Winnie the Pooh, for example. Winnie the Pooh. Stuart Clever Little is kind of a, a cult. <laughs> that <laughs> figure. Rabbit. Come on. Michael J. Fox. <laughs> no. No, Na- I'm going to have to Nathan Lane was the cat. No. Hugh Laurie was the dad. Anya, you love British men. Hugh Laurie was the dad. Yup. I'm gonna... Alright, moving on. What's your hatred against Stuart Little? Okay, Anya, why do you hate Stuart Little? Because he's not Winnie the Pooh or the Velveteen Rabbit or Corduroy or all the other better characters. I used to love Corduroy. I had a Corduroy little stuffed animal with the missing button and everything. I'm on the series Corduroy. Hmm? Corduroy. He was a little bear that uh, wore green overalls and had a missing button. And it was actually really sad first, like the first story that he's introduced in. He's like gets lost and he's, you know, missing his button and everything. And uh, he's finally found by an owner. He looks so concerned. (laughs) I've never heard of Corduroy. I don't think Willoughby read the same storybooks that we did on yet. I don't think he did. (laughs) No. I read the Berenstein Bears. Well, these are like classic children's uh, <laughs> figures that kind of have been, have stretched back like fifty so years. Not so much oh, like the more recent where the wild things are. But clearly, there are a lot of opinions on these characters. <laughs> yeah. But today we are only talking about one, and that is Paddington. And Paddington is a young bear from Peru who travels to London, England, and he takes up residence with the Brown family. And so in the sequel, he is happily settled with them, popular character in his community, and he's looking for a birthday present for his Aunt Lucy, a older bear who's back in Peru. And he finds the perfect present for her and has to take all these jobs to make earn the money to buy the present for her. But then the present is stolen. Oh, no! So that's the general gist of Paddington 2, kind of how it starts. It was directed by Paul King. It stars Hugh Grant, Hugh Bonneville, Sally Hawkins, um, Imelda, or no, Julie Walters, um, and Ben Wishaw is the voice of Paddington. It also stars Brendan Gleeson in a new role. 
And Imelda Staunton is the voice of Paddington's Aunt Lucy. It's a great cast. So, I'm going to start with my general impression. Um, it's no secret here that HT and I are big Paddington fans. And I adored this film. I watched the first Paddington last year on Netflix, just on a whim, just looking for like a nice film to watch. And I watched it, and it was so adorable. It just brought joy to my heart. And Paddington 2 was even better than the first one. It's funny and heartwarming and very relevant. And just such a joy to kind of sit with that movie for two hours and live in that world with Paddington, who is a great character. He's so inspiring. So I love Paddington, too. Um, HT, I know we're going to have very similar thoughts. So what was your general impression? I absolutely loved Paddington 2. So Paddington 2 came on my radar, not because I saw the first one, but because I wrote up a trailer uh, for Paddington 2 back before, back in like November or September of 2017. And I was like, what is this adorable movie? And how did I not know there was an original one? So I was looking forward to it just because it looked so charming and so delightful and just incredibly earnest in its just belief that there's good in people, which is something I always really enjoy. Yeah. Uh, I always love films to explore. And it was like a big breath of fresh air, uh, not just with like children's and family movies, uh, because it actually seemed very good and had a lot of really impressive uh, supporting characters, but uh, supporting actors, but also it just was a breath of fresh air in terms of just like reality and the rest of the cinematic landscape uh something that i think would offer a sort of reprieve for me personally it's kind of like the embodiment of our self-care for me that's how i saw it i was just like this is just this came at the exact right time this is exactly what i needed i can't wait to see it in theaters so i actually had not seen the first one i was not where it was on netflix until the day I like resolved to go see Paddington Two, and then my friend Mike, who uh, guested on this episode previously on this podcast previously, shamed me for not seeing the first one first, and we watched it on Netflix, and then I was ready to see um, Paddington Two, which completely met and went above my expectations. It was not only a delightful family film, but it was it had a, all sorts of homages to silent and classic. Uh, films, a lot of Chaplin-esque, Buster Keaton-esque comedy, and it was just a perfect combination, I think, of just of a sort of this weird whimsy uh, combined with like an, an homage to again like cinema itself. So I thought that was a something that really caught me by surprise, but pleasantly so. Willoughby. What are your thoughts on Paddington 2? I liked it. It was cute. <laughs> no, I'm serious. I mean, you guys are very eloquent. And you have so much to say about this movie. I I didn't hate it. I really liked it. I, I really liked the movie. It gave me a lot of joy. Like, it, I, had, I laughed. I cried. I smiled a lot. I thought... Uh, ben Wishaw's performance as Paddington was like top notch. Like he was great in the first one. I know that the first one was supposed to start Colin Firth as Paddington, but he was f- unceremoniously 
like kicked off the project or something or creative differences. I don't know. But Ben Wishaw came in and redid all his lines. So the first movie had already been filmed with like Colin Firth in mind. And then so this one kind of like uh, took Ben Wishaw's like characteristics and kind of amplified him because he's a, he's a, he's a very polite posh little boy. Um, and and Paddington was great. Um, the I liked how ridiculous the and simple the plot was because it's like it's kind of like reminded it reminded me of the first one because it's like for some like Nicole Kidman is like an evil taxidermist who's trying to get Paddington, and then Hugh Grant is an evil actor who's trying to steal. A book that has like secrets and stuff so it's like these plots are ridiculous it's kind of ridiculous i do want to say that hugh grant went above and beyond for his role uh in this film more so than like nicole kidman who is kind of a little bit campy but hugh grant i could see him just having the most f- enjoyable time throughout this movie and i have <clears> not <throat> seen him have this much range in years i think yeah i know same. <laughs> hugh grant who's like the cynic who like does interviews and he's like man i hope no one calls me for another acting gig like i hate my job <laughs> like yeah his um his, his performance was a lot i liked it a lot it was one of no, the favorite I, parts of the movie it, it was it was a lot it was good um but yeah so like i mean you guys i wouldn't say it cleansed my soul like you guys said just i don't know because I don't know because I I get it I I get what you where you guys are coming from, um, and like I appreciate your your thoughts on the movie. I liked it. I thought it was a really fun family film. It wasn't it wasn't bad. It was like you know well done. I liked the uh, like HT was saying the like, the little chaplain nod. There was a part where he has like a little oil mustache on his face. Oh, and the modern um, time scene. Which one was that? I've never seen Modern Times. Oh, it's the it's the famous scene where he's like going through the clockwork. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah mm-hmm. The clockwork part. Yeah, that yeah, yeah. Was... I, okay. Yeah, that part no, made I got... me laugh for joy. I was just like <laughs> astonished the entire time. I was like, they went there. Yeah, they did. Um, and I, I really, I think my favorite sequence in the entire movie is the pop up book sequence. Oh, that when... sequence is beautiful. And then, because because what it does is it could have it could have they could have done all that stuff at the end of the movie. But what they did was they showed it at the beginning, so you have that in mind of what Paddington wants, his motivation for the entire movie. And then you get to the very end, and you see... And we're, we're spoiling the movie. You get to the end when Aunt, Lu- Aunt Lucy shows up in London, but they don't cut or show any of the actual like stuff they do, except in the um, in the credit sequence, which, which was adorable. Um, but you get... you. You, you're reminded of what Paddington's motivation was. So when he finally gets to hug his Aunt Lucy in the, in the threshold of the door of the Browns' house, it... I mean, I cried. I definitely cried at the very end. Like, it was a well-made movie. I, it I, affected me at the very end. I'm surprised, Willoughby, that you weren't quite as taken with this movie as we were, uh, not because I know you were a little bit more um, skeptical about how it could live up to expectations, but because it was so stylish. Like, the film, I'm really excited about uh, Paul King, the director, his future will be because his style um, not only does it like pay have a lot of callbacks to classic cinema, but it reminds me of the sort of zippy um, kinetic style that you could see in like Edgar Wright or with even Wes Anderson, which he has a lot of similarities with Paddington too. Oh, there's definitely there's a lot of Andersonian homages to this like when they do like the the dollhouse and the jail cell or well, the doll the dollhouse from the first movie and the jail cell from the second movie like 
and there's even like plot points from the Grand Budapest Hotel in uh, Pennington too. So like I definitely see the homages and stuff, and I was aware of them, and I thought they were well done. Um, but it, it's not like the movie didn't connect for me. But I think that you guys just like it a lot more than I do. I like it. <laughs> I you guys, kind of... you guys really like it. I think also speaking to HT, like. Beyond the homages, which are so great, King just himself also has a really good knack for having a good eye for fun scenes. Like, the pop-up book scene, like Willoughby said, was one of my favorite parts of the movie, just because, first, the animation was gorgeous um, and just so wonderful and creative. Um, But, like, another smaller moment, I love when Paddington's in jail and he has to do the laundry and there's that shot from above that shows him, like, sorting all the laundry, like, in quick time. Mm-hmm. And then, like, the scene where he's, like, running and closing all the doors of, like, the washing machines in sequence. Like, it was just so fun and, as HG said, stylistic, but also very clean and just so well made. And I just, you know, I couldn't get over that. It was... Yeah, and I wouldn't call, like, the Andersonian sort of ticks homages because i don't think that those were as clear-cut homages as the as like the modern times reference was um i think that maybe his style is somewhat similar to anderson anderson where it's uh quite whimsical and quite quirky and it has that sort of very similar like symmetry and everything like that but i think to call it an homage would to put down the stylistic and directorial choices that paul king did which i think were quite were really impressive uh, in yeah. a film that he didn't need to do as much as he did. Exactly. This movie, that's the thing about this movie is that, like, it could have just glided on the surface of just being, like, a happy kids film and not tried to kind of go above and beyond. But it did. It, like, committed itself to being a truly great film beyond just being, like, a fun family film you could see on the weekend. Exactly. Um so we touched on some of the characters, like Hugh Grant. So let's dive into the characters of this film, who are all just so much fun. Willoughby, you mentioned that Colin Firth was supposed to be voicing Paddington, and I'm actually really glad that it's Ben Wishaw. As much as I love Colin Firth, I think the youth of Ben Wishaw really yeah. lends itself to Paddington. Oh, I agree. I definitely agree. Because when I heard Colin Firth was voicing Paddington, my first thought was, oh, he's too old. Because <laughs> like you can hear it, you can. I mean, you can hear when an old man has an old voice, and that Colin Firth doesn't have a young man's voice anymore, um, even though it is kind of a little higher pitched than uh, Ben Wishaw. But Ben Wishaw definitely has the the naivete in his voice that I don't think Colin yeah. Firth has. Yeah, I think he's so wonderful with Paddington. Because Paddington, Paddington is very, I don't want to say naive. But, like, he takes everyone at face value. So, like, he does, he believes everyone says the truth. So when, yeah. Hugh Grant, he, when Hugh Grant was talking about, like, you know, like, what he want, you know, like, oh, that, you know, he was lying. And Paddington was like, sure, I believe you. Um, and then and then that was, that was that's his uh, character flaw, is that he believes everyone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's true. And it makes him endearing. Um, but it also, yeah, I mean, he does the same thing with Brendan Gleeson when they talk oh, about, yeah. like, breaking him out of jail and bringing him back to his family and clearing his name, and then that's not what they do. Right. Um, and, but, you know, it just, it makes Paddington, he's the hero we deserve right now. Yeah, and I think that personality shines through a lot better in Paddington 2 than it did in Paddington, where they kind of overdid a little bit with his, um, 
his physical comedy shenanigans that the hijinks the hijinks yeah that there's so much hijinks in these movies threatened to kind of go over the line with the first film but i think the second film really struck that balance between why we love paddington and why he's such a great and sympathetic character and also why he wouldn't exactly fit in the real world just because he is so much that ideal of what we wish humanity could be. And it's in that little bear, that little marmalade loving bear. Exactly. As long as marmalade, that is for quite sure. I also need to give a shout out. Um, Now I am extra convinced that Sally Hawkins needs to win the Oscar. She was already my top pick for leading actress this year, but going from shape of water to Paddington Two back-to-back. I was like, Sally Hawkins. an experience. Girl, like, you are everything to me. Also, two water sequences in both films. <laughs> I was uh, like, alright, Sally Hawkins. Like, What's what's more interesting to think about? Sally Hawkins going from Shape of Water to Paddington 2, or going to Paddington 2, then to, to film Shape of Water? And having it in her mind, I just had sex with a fish man, or I just came from a, f- a, um, interest- a movie where I hold hands with a bear underwater like what is in her mind when she's making these movies and which one was in her head first your joy is in her mind (laughs) and that's why she deserves the oscar she's just such a i think i'm really excited that guillermo del toro picked her for shape of water i mean he's talked a lot about how like he basically wrote the character with her in mind he always wanted sally hawkins for shape of water and i'm so glad because i feel like she is one of those overlooked actors you know, people, like, she shows up and you like her, but she's never really in the conversation. She's always just around. And I think this is this is a really good spotlight for her to show just how good she is. Mm-hmm. Because, like, going from, like, playing a mute character who's in love with a fish man and, you know, tormented by society to just this quirky mother who's determined to free her, like, adopted bear child. And <laughs> it's it. she has such a range, but it's so fun. And I just really love her. I think this double whammy of uh, Sheep of Water and Paddington 2 proves just how enormously empathetic of a actress Sally Hawkins yes. is. Like, these two characters, you can see the similarities in them in that you know, Sally Hawkins is just incredibly transient and is just so... Um, so empathetic and so compassionate and that really shines through with all the performances even though they are uh, vastly different characters you see that similarity and people could say oh they're kind of the same but that's only because sally hawkins is just so good and yeah. it's just you so, always want to root for her yeah exactly she's so uh sim- she's so empathetic and um i i really enjoyed her her role in paddington too i never thought it went over the top with its like uh, quirk sort of thing that and she is just she's so good I just I can't help but love her even more after seeing Shape of Water and Paddington 2 like basically back to back it also made me just like her uh, one little thing about her like that made me realize how good this film is and how like tight its storytelling was the very beginning Paddington is writing a letter to Aunt Lucy about like what all the Browns are doing and stuff and he's mentioning that um, Sally Hawkins character is training to swim the English Channel And, like, you get that at the very beginning of the film. It's, like, a throwaway thing. That's just what she's doing with her life right now. And then it comes in handy at the end of the film in, like, a huge plot moment. And it just makes you realize, like, how clever this film really is. It's a good story. 
So a lot of family films, people tend to gloss over or overlook the story, but this was a tightly wound uh, narrative that, like like you said, had a uh, things foreshadowed from the beginning, middle, and end. And even though it had sort of a more like complex subplot that involved the prison and everything like that, it never once felt like it derailed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's talk about the prison and animal rights because that's weird. <laughs> I do want to talk more about Haddington... the rest of the characters before we go into the prison plot, though. Haddington goes to human jail. Okay. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, we mentioned Hugh Grant. He's brilliant. Okay. I, think, I think he's phenomenal in this. So Hugh so Grant good. got a Best Supporting Actor nod at the BAFTA, and everyone just kind of rolled their eyes because they're like, oh, Hugh Grant and Paddington too. But he deserves that nomination. He was yeah, he amazing in this, in this role. And I think that like he has often been sort of... Um, uh, what's the word, not locked in, uh, typecast in, you know, charming cad roles or charming romantic leading man roles. And he doesn't really have a chance to, to show that he has great comedic chops. Like, he is funny in this movie. <laughs> yeah, like, he the, really is. The impressions that he does. I was, I was like, bowed over laughing. It was... It, it was impressive, and I just couldn't help but see, like, where have I seen, where has this Hugh Grant been my entire life? Like, Agreed. why has he not been doing more, like, straightforward comedic roles? He is so funny in this, and he's just, like, I, you could, you could say that he may be over the top, but I don't think it was in the way that Nicole Kimmon was over the top in the first Paddington, which felt sort of like a villain in a children's role. I think he... He was really giving it his all in this movie, and it was definitely some of the best comedic acting I've seen from him in his Agreed. entire career. Yeah, and I'm a huge fan of Hugh Grant. Um, he's, like, my favorite rom-com leading man. Mm-hmm. Out of all my, like, rom-coms that I love, he's the one that I'm always, like, drawn to the most because he's just so charming and English and floppy-haired. Um, but in this one, I totally agree. His comedic chops were fantastic. And, like, the costumes were all really fun. But I actually had the most fun when he was, like, up in his attic. Talking to himself. Voicing the different characters when he was, like, Hamlet and then Macbeth and, like, Poirot and, like, Sherlock Holmes. And, like, that was hysterical. It was hilarious. Oh, my God. I Sorry. I'm, like, I'm kind of over the moon with Hugh Grant's performance in this. I thought it was amazing. (laughs) I, I, I don't think Willoughby's having the same reaction as us because I was just, like, I was blown away. I was, like. Hugh Grant deserves an award for this movie. Agreed. The man can share act. Well, okay. No, I, I, I agree with you guys. You guys really love this movie. I'm letting you guys speak because everything I'm going to say is just like, it was cute. <laughs> <sighs> All right, well. I also think that Brendan Gleeson was a lot of fun. Brendan, yeah. Gleeson, Brendan Gleeson was my favorite character in the entire yeah, movie. Yeah, and he's, I mean, he's also another, like, solid actor who's just, like, always reliable in roles. And, you know, he has a wide range. Like, he can go from Harry Potter to in Bruges to... Which Patty. he does in this movie. <laughs> he does both Mad-Eye Moody and his in Bruges character. Yeah, it's really great. And then Paddington, and then he's also just, like, someone who just falls in love with marmalade and wants to bring marmalade joy to people that's what i love about what paddington 2 
uh, does with its supporting characters is that it basically brings together all these really talented character actors and just lets them cut loose and have fun and basically enjoy being in a movie about a bear who loves marmalade. And there's never any point uh, in the movie where I think there's like a wink or a point where they're like, this is silly, this is just for a paycheck. They're never phoning it in. And that's what I really exactly. liked about these performances. You Bonneville, too. I feel like family films in general, or just films that kind of, even TV shows that like have a shtick, or I think a lot of media these days could just be saved by people being earnest in what they're doing and believing in what they're doing and not being like, not being self conscious of like, oh, it's a family film about a bear. Like, we know it's not like groundbreaking stuff. Like, you can tell that they all believed in this film and were excited to make it. And that's a big part of why this film is getting the praise it's getting. And I wish people would just believe in their work more, I guess. Like it would make media a lot more fun. I completely agree with you, Anya. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So we mentioned Brendan Gleeson, who is a character in prison that Paddington to Paddington meets when they think that he is the one who stole the book, even though it was Hugh Grant. Um, now, Willoughby. Yes. I Let's talk about this prison plot, because you seem to have thoughts on it. Whereas for me, I'm just like, don't question the logic. It's a movie about a Peruvian bear in London. If it's a movie about a Peruvian bear where no one is surprised that there's a talking bear. I know. Right. No one's surprised there's a talking bear. So let's let, let's break it down. Paddington is not a normal bear. He can talk. He can think. He has sentience. He has the ability to think and speak like a human. However, he is a bear. He comes from Peru. As we've seen, he's not a genetically altered bear. He's just a very smart bear. So, first of all, they try him in a court of law as a human... Um, with a human judge, with a human lawyer, with a human with human defendants well, and human prosecution. There are no bear judges in London. <laughs> okay, but there's, but then and then he's whisked away to, like, prison in London, like off off of in London. I don't know, like Fort Bell, you know, like Bell Rev of London, like somewhere in the middle of London, in like this harsh. Like unfeeling prison with Except you know, then they end up throwing flowers and like and dyeing their friends. uniforms pink. That, first of all, that was in reenacting whole, ho- uh, the Grand Budapest uh, Hotel. I, I was gonna say it's it's very much Grand Budapest Hotel. It's adorable. Now, Willoughby, but, I'm assuming. But why did? But he could have gone to an animal animal shelter and be like you know, break out of jail with his fellow animals. Like, he had the dog in the first movie, or in the second movie. In the second movie. It was fun. I don't know. Part of me was just like, like, the most unbelievable part of this movie is that Paddington goes to jail. Wait, hold on. But I liked, but once he was there, I liked the plot. I liked his character. I liked his relationship with Brendan Gleeson. Part of me was just, I couldn't get over the fact that they were trying him in the court of law, but he's a bear. So, hold on. So, are you just taking the piss? Or did you, were you genuinely, like, caught up when you were watching this film in this plot point both not i was more i'm more taking the piss out of the movie but less but i also was kind of going but why could why don't he doesn't have the 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 book so why would they believe that he has the book and he stole the book like there's a lot of logic here to get a lot of 
broken logic here to get Paddington to go to I jail. I think you're applying too much to a movie about a Peruvian bear. I mean, we're talking I mean, we, London. We, we, we were just, HT and you were just talking about how tight the storytelling is. But the yeah, jail. The thing is, tight storytelling doesn't mean believable storytelling. It just it's the believable for the world that they've invented. So in it's world, believable, believable that Paddington Bear goes to jail. Yes, yeah, because it's believe. The thing is, that is not any more absurd than the idea of Paddington living with the Browns, going through community, everyone talking to him, everyone knowing him, him being the only like talking bear in London, but everyone's chill with it. Like that isn't any more absurd than him if he can get a regular job and you go, go to a regular places. Jail. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it's actually pretty consistent with the world they've created. That's logical. Um, <laughs> but I, I still thought I was like, and, the, and then the whole, like, we're just gonna, you know, he sees the good in all these prisoners who, some of them may have murdered people, but okay, we're just gonna gloss past that. That's the theme of the movie, Willoughby. <laughs> Willoughby, if we're kind and polite, the world will be right. He says that a lot in the prison, and that kind of, that would get him beat up in real prison. Willoughby, the thing is, that's this to is... me, that's like my... That's my, like, have courage and be kind from Cinderella. I am such a sucker for, like, good thematic words. Mm-hmm. Like, and if they resonate with me, I will, like, take them with me for the rest of my life. They're, like, they become, like, this handprint on my heart, to quote Wicked. Oh, I thought and... you made that up for a second, and I was like, oh, Anya. <laughs> <laughs> uh, damn, I shouldn't have said it was from Wicked. I should have been like, oh, I'm so poetical. <laughs> um, no, that's from Wicked. I'm a poet, and I even know that I'm a poet. <laughs> and I just like it, like people can say it's cheesy and stuff but like I often find that like the simplest things like that as cheesy as they are the truth in them gets really deep and really strikes a chord in society and I think you know it's really relevant to today yeah and I don't think that there's anything wrong with something being cheesy because I think that we we I don't have... think it's wrong. I'm not also not saying it's cheesy. I'm just saying the logic is a little fall- fallacy. You know, it's this whole movie, this whole story has is based on sort of this like ten page logical volume. fallacy. Yeah, it's like it's not something that's meant to be taken entirely like at face value, essentially. Right. Um, but it still is a movie that should be taken seriously in terms of how it makes us feel agreed and i think we're kind of like we're kind of blurring all the plot theme character discussion because i'm trying to get i'm trying i'm also trying to get you guys to say how much you love the movie i mean thanks you don't need to try we will just do that on our own (laughs) it's true but i'm poking i'm 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 poking you guys to to, to get you to (laughs) talk the bear Ah! um and Everyone's quoting that one line, which is so great. But I think there's another small moment in the film that really, like, stayed with me. Also for its relevancy to today. Because Peter Capaldi plays a character where he's, like, a... He lives in the same community as the Browns and Paddington. And he's, like, this weird... He's, like, not a cop, but he, like, pretends he's, like, the security guy of their community. Yeah, he's, He's like, like, the grouch of the neighborhood. Yeah, and he really doesn't like Paddington. And Mm -hmm. he hasn't liked him since the first film. He's, like, this talking bear. It's, like, a an abomination like blah 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 he's very much that and there's a scene where Hugh Bonneville who plays the dad um 
he at the end of the movie he like yells at Peter Capaldi of being like you haven't liked him since like the day he came here like you never got to know him like you just decided you didn't like him and how real is that I was gonna say let's be real here Peter Peter Capaldi's character definitely voted for Brexit yes Yes, he absolutely voted for Brexit there are a lot of themes in here that feel very relevant towards Brexit, which is something that uh, Britain is still sort of uh, coming to terms with. And I think that that isn't quite as on the nose as like the immigration themes that we see in the first movie, but it's definitely Mm -hmm. commenting on like these sort of sociopolitical undercurrents that are going on in Britain right now, which I think was really interesting. Yeah, like, you look at the idea of Paddington as being an outsider, and, you know, he's from Peru, and he's an immigrant, and he doesn't look like everyone else in the community and stuff, but then you see in this film the joy he's brought to people, and the way he's enriched the community, and the idea that just because he's an other doesn't mean that he's inherently bad or dangerous in any way. He actually really helps lift the community up mm-hmm. and they show and, what happens when he's gone and the community mm-hmm. kind of starts to falter mm-hmm. exactly exactly I, deep, guys. I also this like the deep. the beginning the beginning when he's going to gruber's it reminded me of uh, uh back to the future with marty riding on the back of the cars with the, when, on a when skateboard he's like saying hi to everyone and bringing people breakfast yeah, yeah he brings them breakfast because like, the the garbage guy Marty was trying yeah. to be a sneaky bench, but uh, uh, Paddington was out in the open about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Tells the guy not to like lock his keys inside. Yeah, he's such a he's such a joy. I wish he lived in my community. I wish the the worst thing I think about Paddington too is that when you come out, you realize that there is no such real character as Paddington too, or so Paddington. I have expectations. <laughs> It does. It sets, um, like I said before, it sets an ideal for how humanity should be and how we wish we could be. Um, and it only makes the, the whiplash even worse when you, when you come out of the movie. But for the two hours that you are in that film, you can escape to this alternate reality where life is wonderful and things can be solved if only exactly. you are kind and polite. Guys, what if Paddington met Garfield the cat? <laughs> no. That's like an immovable object versus an unstoppable force. How <laughs> would I know? I a really good comedic bit for like two minutes. Like a short film, like a yeah. very short, like. So like a full season on Netflix. Got it. I will pitch it tomorrow. But I, I, I mean, I think Paddington 2 is perhaps not the movie that society deserves right now. But it is the movie that society needs. All right, Christopher Nolan. <laughs> I do want to touch on some of the we've touched on some of the themes for Paddington 2 but I do want to touch on one last thing um, and it's that I really like that Paddington uh, the cartoon character the character and also the movie itself is based off of the um, practice of British children during World War II basically you know getting picked up by other families and being fostered by other families who just do it out of the goodness of their heart and as, as a duty as a citizen kind of thing. And I really like that sort of opening um, of people's doors and people's hearts regardless of the situation and regardless of the person. And I like that that's what Paddington represents as well is that, you know, maybe nowadays it's harder to open our hearts to people, especially if they're so different from us. But 
if you do, then it's like you will be rewarded even more so, or like you, it, like it, you're reminded more so of like how rewarding it is it, when you do so. Yeah, and, I, and I'm. I want to speak. I, go go ahead, Willby. I was just gonna. I was gonna kind of go back to the filmmaking. I didn't really get to talk, but I really enjoyed the style of the film, like you guys were talking about earlier. I really thought that like the way everything was edited was really fun and very kinetic, and I liked um, the shots that were framed. It's really good. It's a really fun film to watch, just, like, yeah. take in. I think... It kind of reminded me of, like, the Lego movie. I was like, oh, this movie is, actually has a lot of, like, yeah, I real... Think... real like, no one was phoning it in. Yeah, I think Paul King has a bright future ahead of him, and that we'll probably know his name soon, because it's kind of these small family films or small undertakings or music videos that we see really interesting and really exciting directors uh, start to come forward. Like Edgar Wright stretched his his skills on TV and with music videos, I think. And the same with Lego movie directors. Uh, And Zack Snyder and uh, Michael Bay. So there's a duality (laughs) of man there. The duality of man, but I think Paul King is going to see a bright future ahead of him i hope so oh, man, michael bay that's a good question what I'm did he not sure if he directed the first one i mean it's it looks and feels very much like the first one because i only saw the first one uh last week and it, it was very much in tone with the same he did style. direct the first one yeah so i like yeah. that he was able to unleash get get unleashed a little bit more for the second one because definitely a little um, a tad more like stylish than the first one was. Paddington Three Beyond Thunderdome. <laughs> uh, Anya, what were you going to say earlier? I was also going to say one of my other favorite things about this film is that it definitely hits that found family trope for me. I mean, definitely like, the Browns are like a real like blood family, and Aunt Lucy and Paddington. Well, Aunt Lucy and Paddington are also a found family. Because yeah, Paddington I didn't realize is- that. Yeah, Paddington's not actually like Lucy's nephew, like in bear biology she just found him um and it you know the idea of that you know paddington came into the brown's life and he really is part of their family and it's just it's a really it's a really important theme for me just the idea that like bonds even if they're not blood-based can be deep and meaningful and just as powerful and what i what i noticed was that they went like when when he was being tried in the court of law. Um, he, he was listed as Paddington Brown, not Paddington Bear, which is what he's known as in the books. So that yeah. I think that was a conscious choice to say, no, he's a part of the family. He is. Mm-hmm. So very sweet. I think that's a good way to wrap up our review of Paddington Two. Uh, what would you guys rate Paddington Two out of five stars? Anya, you go first. Five out of five stars. All right, Willoughby, what is yours? Um, <laughs> oh, no. 4.5 out of five. Okay. I also give it 4.5 out of five. So that will make the total... Four- I'm sorry, Anya, she's giving me a oh. face. We were talking. We were talking offline about how you were going to give it a five. No, well, I and, I had to stick by my letterbox review. I gave it four and a half on my on my letterbox. I think. I, it. I think it's a near perfect film. It is. It is quite good. What about it? It does not earn the extra point five. 
The prison plot. No, the prison plot was amazing. Well, no, the prison, like, I can't, sometimes I just can't get over, I just can't okay, get over Okay, Willoughby, the... I understand you, like, but Once he's he... in prison, once he's in prison, it's okay. But, which is weird. But, like, I just couldn't get over my fact that, like, he wouldn't go to payment jail. I, I understand that, but H.T. Oh. What is about it that does not earn that extra point five? Um, I can't think of anything particular. H.T. Are you just are you just hesitant to ever give a movie a perfect score? Yeah, basically. Except this is Paddington too. We're talking about. That is true. I will say I think my love for it has only grown since I first see I've first seen it. So, <laughs> do you, Anya, do are you, you pressuring ever... me to change my score? I'm I'm just saying I understand the hesitant and ever in giving a film a perfect score. I completely agree. I'm always hesitant about that. But if you can't justify any reason why it doesn't deserve a perfect score, like if there's anything about the film why it should be a 4.5, that's fair by all means. But if there's no reason why it shouldn't have that extra 0.5, I'm just saying. Hmm. Yeah, like I have specific issues with the film. They're not bad issues. They're just little tiny issues. But <laughs> Issues that don't really make any sense, but okay. <laughs> Um, Neither does a bear going to human jail, but okay. All right. Exactly. I think you're probably right, Anya. <gasps> oh, no. What are you, are you going to do a five? You do 5.5? 5.5, 5. 5. no. Are you doing five? <laughs> are you doing five out of five? I'm going to give Paddington 2 five out of five stars. Yes. I've been, I've Anya, been do you, told. Anya, do you feel vindicated? I feel completely vindicated. So... The Millennial Falcon. I mean, you're right, Anya, because I completely love this film and I have no reason to not give it compl- a perfect five out of five stars. I was going to say, you were defending all the points I was, uh, you know, you were, you know, re- refute, trying to refute all the points I was making about this movie. Well, like, the, when I do scores, I tend to compare my scores, the scores I give it to other movies that have the same score. And so that's where, like, the things where movies start right, to, like, have first, first, first differences. But I think for the sake of just my entire, what, everything I've said during this podcast, <laughs> I'm going to have to give it. You haven't said a negative thing about the movie. I haven't said a negative thing. I have no negative thing to say. It's exactly. just in terms there of, like, the, no my overall ratings with other films. But for the sake of this podcast and for the sake of how I really, truly feel about this movie, I give it a five out of five stars. So The Millennial Falcon gives Paddington 2 4.8 out of five stars which is not bad that's a really good score i think that might be our highest score yet i think it is it's like it's a really good movie all right so uh, it's let's... cute like i said at the beginning it's cute okay <laughs> uh let's move on to the last segment of our episode i really 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 like you but i need to tell you something anya why don't you start us off? What do you really like this week? All right. I'm continuing my saga in Anya Watch's dark British Netflix originals. So last week was the end of the fucking world, which I still can't stop thinking about, by the way. And this week, I've started binging Black Mirror. And I am addicted. Like... Any time an episode ends, I need the next episode to start as fast as possible. I can't stop. And it's so, 
it's harrowing and it's horrifying. And some episodes I feel so ill and anxious and I'm like, I need more. It's crazy how something that is not like perfectly joyous and like makes me feel kind of messed up in the head sometimes. And I just can't have enough. I think black mirror is brilliant. Um, I can't stop talking about it with people. I love it. I'm in season three right now. So I have a little bit of season three left and then season four to watch. And I already want season five to be here. (laughs) I just think it's brilliant. And even the episodes I don't completely love. It's one of those shows where I admire what they're doing. And that's the thing about Black Mirror is I think even if it's like one of the episodes isn't your favorite, you can still like see what they were going for and just admire them for having the boldness and the audacity to create a show like this. So I am loving Black Mirror. I cannot get enough. I'm astonished that you can binge it as fast as you are just because it's so hard for me to watch I an know. episode. Oh, hell yeah. I was doing, I did the same, I did the same thing. No, it's crazy. Like, I've only had one instance with an episode where I had to give myself a break because it was just too much for me, and that was White Bear. But everything else, like, I feel completely horrified, and I feel like I've been through the ringer, and then I'm like, I need to immediately experience that again. It's so weird. (laughs) I love it, though. Awesome. Willoughby, what is your really like for this week? My really like for this week is a movie from seven years ago called Easy A, which, oh. yeah, I, re- I I recently bought the Blu-ray at Target for like five bucks just to have it, because I was like, oh, I should probably rewatch this sometime, and last Sunday I did, and it holds up for being a seven-year-old movie about gender politics. It really does like a good job of like, you know, keeping up with that uh, Scarlet Letter type story was going before. Um, Thomas Hayden Church is so good as the professor. It's got, um, at, like, the edge of 17 has a lot of shades to it. Um, very similar, like, some, some characteristics and plot. But Easy A with Emma Stone um, really holds up as being a comedy and really holds up as, like, with its themes and stuff, especially um, in today's climate. Um, yeah, still, she gives a really great comedic performance, which Emma Stone's moved on to more dramatic things recently, but I, I think she's still a great a, a great comedic actress. And so it's good to see that EZA still held up after seven years. Green. Very much so. So my really like for this week isn't quite a like. Um, it's more an appreciation of uh, an author who was really special to me growing up. Uh, Ursula K. Le Guin, who was the writer behind uh, Wizard of Earthsea and the series that followed, such as uh, Tombs of Akhenaten. Um, no, not Akhenaten. Tombs of Atuan, sorry. <laughs> um, she was a sci-fi and fantasy writer who recently passed away this week, and she was just an extremely formative and influential author uh, that I read growing up, and I completely loved her books. And she... I think is a very a vastly underrated uh, fantasy and sci-fi writer who stands to to stand up next to uh, other greats such as J.R.R. Tolkien um, and other great fantasy writers such as him. But I think that she hasn't had quite the um, the appreciation in history that other fe- other male writers have had. Uh, and I really want to give a shout out to her and. Um, talk about how the the 
contributions she's made throughout her life to the fantasy genre and um mourn her and also appreciate her life and wish that there are more there are better adaptations of her books there haven't really been any there i know there was a sci-fi series of um wizardversy which was not great apparently and um there was a, a Studio Ghibli film by Goro Miyazaki that did like a loose adaptation called, called Tales from Earthsea, which was fine. It was serviceable, but it was kind of hollow and cold. Um, so I wish that she could be appreciated more, um, not only in the literary world, but hopefully in the cinematic world too, where one day she could want, maybe get an adaptation worthy of her writings and her books. I agree. This is a great loss we had this week. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, well, that is our episode for the week. If you guys have any thoughts on Paddington 2, which I hope you do, you should definitely come chat with us. Also, if you have any thoughts on Easy A, Black Mirror, or Ursula Le Guin, come talk with us about those things. And where can they do that, Willoughby? You can find us on Facebook if you search for us there. We're also on Twitter at Falcon Podcast. Uh, you, our blog is millennialfalconpodcast.wordpress.com. You can also listen to us on SoundCloud and iTunes and Google Play, where you can rate, review, and subscribe to us there. And where can they find you guys on the internet this week? You can find me at htranbui on Twitter. You can find me at Anya Crittenton on Twitter. And you can find me at Willoughby Dobbs on Twitter. All right. Thanks for joining us, guys. Bye. Bye.